0: Amen, amen. How many of y'all excited to be at Youth Camp 2018? Amen. It is an absolute honor and privilege to be back in Arkansas. Can I just say it? Arkansas is the coolest state out of all the 54 states. Is that what we got? No, I'm just kidding. Of all of the states, can you give yourselves a hand for just being a part of such an awesome district? It is an absolute honor to uh, to get to hang out with my good friend. I love and it's an absolute privilege to be partnered with Brother Michael Enzi. Didn't he do such an awesome job last night? Amen. And I want to give honor to where honor is due. You guys have the coolest youth president on the block, Brother Nathan Smith. Can we give him a hand? Not only does he carry an awesome anointing, but he's just a good, good individual. Just a great man of God. And I am honored to be here and honored to receive the invite. We're going to dig into the Word of God this morning. I promise you I'm not going to be lengthy as you know my MO I'll be pretty pretty quick but we're going to dig into the word Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 through 18 and then we're going to jump into Exodus Exodus chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 Ephesians chapter 1 15 through 18 And the Bible says this, the Bible says, Why I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love to all the saints, verse 16, the Bible says, cease not. This is Paul talking to the Ephesians in the first chapter, the first thing that he pens to paper, what it is that he wants to convey to the Ephesian church. He says this, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. In verse 18, the Bible says this: that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that the eyes of of your understanding be enlightened and we're going to go to Exodus chapter 3 and the Bible says this in verse 1 the Bible says now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father-in-law the priest of Midian and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God even to Horeb. Verse 2 the Bible says and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush and he looked turn to your neighbor and say and he looked and behold the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed and moses said i will now turn aside and see i will see this great sight why the bush is not burned? i will now turn aside and i will see why this bush is burned but it's not consumed in verse three the bible says this and moses said Or sorry, verse 4, the Bible says, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. Just for a short while, I'm going to be teaching, preaching on this subject. What you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. If you do me the honor and just put down your Bibles, and all over the house, if you could just close your eyes and lift your hands. And let's ask God to just enter into this house. And whatever it is that he wants to do in our lives, I just let's pray that he just takes over. Even if it's outside of our comfort zone, let's just surrender our will to his. Can we do that right now? God, we surrender our will to yours right now, Lord. Whatever it is that you want to do in this house, God, I just pray that you have your way, God. I pray that you speak to students in this place, God. God, I pray, God, that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. Even in this place this morning, God, speak to us. Have your way, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. One last time, let's give God an awesome hand clap of praise. What you see is what you get. Turn to your neighbor and say, what you see is what you get. I am intrigued at the cognitive process of the human mind. There are so many similarities in the brain. There are so many uh, components of the brain that are equal, that are similar. The same structure, the same uh, 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 parts, the same uh, 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 networking. But it depends on which person is looking at a certain object, it depends on that person and that point of view that it could change depending on what they're looking at. It perplexes me how one individual can look at a glass that's got water half filled and somebody can say the glass is what? Half full. Now somebody else can look at the same exact glass and they'll see what? Half empty. That blows my mind how one particular object it could be the same object but two different people, same brain structures, same components. Two different people have two cognitive perceptions. They can see two totally different things. I guess a better or more relevant uh, explanation of this is in the Facebook phenomena known as the dress. How many of y'all have seen that on Facebook? Right? I've got a picture of this dress. Now to some people this dress looks let, let, let me take a poll. How many of y'all see white and gold? Raise your hand. White and gold. Now now to other people, now now granted, we are looking at the same object. All of you, God created every single one of your brains. They're wired the same. They've got the same components. You've got the medulla oblongata in the same spot as your buddy does. But looking at this image, we see two totally different things. So some see gold and white. How many other people see black and blue? Raise your hand. So, so let's do this again. Where's my white and gold, folks? Let me hear you make some noise. Now where's my black and blue, folks? Looking at the same object, we can ultimately see two different things. It's right in front of us, but yet some people see it one way and other people can see it other way. Now myself, I see Gold and white. So you guys won. That's the normal, folks. Something can be right in front of your face and you not even see what it is for what it's or for what it is. I've got another explanation or another illustration. I've got a video that I really want to show you guys that kind of better illustrates what it is that I'm trying to get it. Now, if you've seen this video before. Hang on. Hang on. Can we pause it? And you can pull the volume completely out of it, if you don't mind. What I want you to do is I want you to focus on this video. And I want you, here in a second, they're going to they're ask you to count how many times the people with the white shirts pass the basketball. How many of y'all have ever seen this? Okay, okay, hang on. So I want you to focus, okay, on how many times the people with the white shirt pass the basketball. Y'all ready for this? Roll that beautiful bean footage. There you go. Count how many times the players wearing white pass the ball. Fair enough, pretty easy. Y'all ready? And pause it right there. Pause it, pause it, pause it. How many people saw the people in the white shirts pass the ball 16 times? Okay. That's the correct answer. Give yourselves a hand. Woo. How many of y'all saw more than 16 times? We've got one. How many of y'all saw less than 16 times? Okay, we got a couple. Now, somebody yelled it out, but how many of y'all saw the gorilla walk into the room? Okay. Okay. Now, now let's do this. Ready? How many of y'all in this room did not see the gorilla walk into the room? Raise your hand. Look at this. Look at this. Now, some of y'all kind of knew it was coming, I've got a good friend of mine over here that blurted it out somewhere. But now, those of you that heard it, how many of y'all saw the curtain on the background change from red to gold? All right. So so there was probably only 10 people that saw the curtain turn from one color to the next. Now, how many people in the room saw one of the players on the black team completely walk off the entire stage? Okay, okay. Now, now how many of y'all ready? If you got this, then, then cognitively your mind is sharper than anybody else. How many people in here saw the little, the little ninja... Step out, wave, and then come back. Okay? Okay? Ready? Little ninja? Little ninja? All right, hang on one sec. There was no little ninja in the room. What you see may not always be. So we're going to play this again, and I want you to see it. Go ahead, you can just hit play and it'll keep rolling. Did you spot the gorilla? For the people who haven't seen or heard about the video like this before, about half missed the gorilla. If you knew about the gorilla, you probably saw it but didn't notice the curtain changing color from the player changing color or the player on the black team leaving the game. And they're going to rewind it and we're going to play it again. Oh, there goes the curtain. Give yourselves a hand for being a part of this experiment. It is possible that something can be right in front of you or right in front of us. And we not even see it. It's possible that because our focus may be on something completely different, that we can only tune in to one thing and lose sight of everything that is around us. It's the very conversation that Jesus has with Philip. Philip asks Jesus, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus, what does he say to him in John 14? He says, Philip, haven't I been with you so long? That when you see me, you see the Father. Jesus tells Philip that I and my Father are one. Jesus was telling Philip, literally, you didn't see it. You got to see it to believe it, and you got to see it to get it. But you just didn't see it. Your focus was somewhere else. It was right in front of you, but you missed it. The definition for this brain burp is known as selective attention. Selective attention is the process of focusing on one particular object in an environment for a certain period of time, limiting one's attention to all the details, thus neglecting the influence of specifics in one's perception. In our text, that's what Paul is alluding to when he's talking to the Ephesians. Paul is literally saying, he's saying, my prayer is that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, you've got to see it so that you can understand it. And then he goes on a little bit further, so that you'll know your calling, and so that you'll know your inheritance. What Paul is literally writing in the first chapter to the Ephesians is this: is that what you see, Ephesians, is what you get. What you focus on ultimately delivers your purpose. And it affects your power and your influence in your life. He literally says it's tethered. What you see reflects on your understanding and how you perceive it will determine what you receive. Jesus illustrates this in the conversation with Peter. As Jesus asks Peter, Peter, who do men say that I am? Y'all know the scripture. He literally asks Jesus, Jesus, or Jesus asks Peter, Peter, when people look at me, who do they see? What do they see when they're watching me? And Peter says, well, Jesus, some say you're John the Baptist, and some say you're Elias, and others, you know, when they look at you, they they think you're Jeremiah or, or one of the prophets. But then Jesus turns to Peter And he says, Peter, but but what do you see? When you look at me, when you focus in on me, what is it that you perceive? And then the Bible says in Matthew 16 and verse 18, the Bible says, Peter literally looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, I know thou art the Christ. And Jesus said, you're right, Peter, flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but because you see it, now upon you, Peter, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. What Jesus was saying, because you were able to focus on it, you will be able to receive your calling, your purpose, and you'll be able to get your measure of power. What you focus on will determine on what you receive. It's no happenstance that the 12 spies that Moses sends over to check out the promised land that only two of the 10 or the 12 were able to receive promise. And it was based on what they saw. If you go back into the analogs of the Old Testament and study out, the 10 said when we look at the land, When we go over to the land, yes, there's a land flowing with milk and honey, and there are great things over in that land, but we are small. They started focusing on everything else other than the promise. The Bible literally says, instead of focusing on the things that God had for them, they focused on all of the problems in the land. The ten literally said, they said, in our sight, there's giants over there, and, and, and in our sight, we looked small, and even in their sight, we appeared as grasshoppers. They were focused on the problems. They were focused on the peripheral. They were focused on all of the extra and they weren't tuning into the promise. But the Bible says that Caleb and Joshua stepped up and they said, no, 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 Moses, we are well able to possess the land. Because what they saw, they focused not on the problems and not on the situations, but they focused on the promise that God gave them. And it's no, it's no illusion or it's no wonder that the only two that entered in the promise was Caleb and Joshua. Literally, what they focused on is what they received. Now, let me bring this into 2018. The Washington Post had an alarming quote or an alarming statement in one of their last blogs. They literally said, teens are spending more than one-third of their days viewing, focusing on media such as online video, YouTube, or music, iTunes, that's nearly eight hours in a day on average, according to the new study from the Family Technology of Education of Non-For-Profit Group Connected with the Common Sense Media. That's an average of eight hours a day viewing and focusing on media. How many of y'all are on Facebook? Let me hear you shout. How many of y'all are on Twitter? Let me hear you shout. How many of y'all are on... Facebook, I've heard, is like your grandpa's on Facebook, so nobody wants to be on Facebook. How many of y'all are on Instagram? Eight hours a day. Statistics show that teens are spending one-third. This didn't come out of the GYD. This was the Washington Post that posted teens are spending an average a third of their day viewing looking at media social media YouTube now let's do the math that's 8 hours a day an average human being lives anywhere from about 70 to 75 years of their life so let's stretch it out in a lifetime till about 75 years 8 hours a day that's 9125 days of your life just viewing This. That's 299.9 months of your life viewing this. That's not looking at anything else. And if you're somebody that texts and walks, you should be fired from life. How many of y'all have ever seen somebody, how many of y'all have ever texted and walked right into something? Right? All right. All right. Years in a lifetime. This is mind blowing. In a lifetime, an average human being spends, if you do the math, if this trend continues on for further generations, if we don't change it at this camp right here and right now, if you continue to spend a third of your life viewing and focusing on this, then the average in a lifetime is 25 years looking at this. The statistics show an average teen checks their phones 75 times a day. On average, an individual taps, swipes, clicks 5,427 times a day. Average, they say, we check our phones once every 12 minutes. Since I've preached or since I've gotten to the pulpit, I'm sure many of you have been itching and dying to get to your phone. It's almost an epidemic in our culture. They say study shows that Americans check their phone eight billion times a day viewing and looking at this. Barna Research Group, it's an independent research group, Barna Studies, they show that the average Christian And I want you to wrap your head around this. The average Christian spends less than one minute a day reading the Word of God. Listen to me. If we're viewing this and we're not viewing this, we'll get what we see. If I'm spending eight hours a day on this... And I'm spending one minute of day on this. It's what Paul says in Galatians. If I reap in the Spirit, then I'll, I'll, or if I sow in the Spirit, I'll get everlasting life. But if I sow in the flesh, then I'll reap corruption. If I spend all of my time doing this, and I don't spend any of my time doing this, then I'll get what I see. Look at your neighbor and say, what you see is what you get. I'm reminded in Scripture, it echoes in the analogs of faith. Luke chapter 17, the Bible says that Luke records kind of a daunting three-word statement. That forever will be ingrained in my mind. Every single student in this place, you should write it on a tablet. You should put it on a notebook. You should, it should be the theme of your life for the rest of your life. Luke literally pens these three words that Jesus records as he's teaching kingdom principles. In other words, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. Jesus is teaching about the grandeur and about the coming of the Lord. And Jesus turns around and he says these three words in the midst of so many. He says this. He says, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Jesus literally says, if you want the kingdom of God to be prevalent in your life, if you want to see miracles, signs, and wonders, you want to see revival come in this last days and you want to lay hands on the sick, then you must remember Lot's wife. Jesus said, if you're going to go any more further in this, you can't forget Lot's wife. If you study the life of Lot, everybody knows the story how God delivered Lot and his wife out of where? Sodom and Gomorrah. If you thought the world was evil today, some of the things that were, they were doing in Sodom and Gomorrah would make us blush if we mentioned those things in this room today. But if you study it, the Bible says that God sends an angelic host to Lot and his wife, to lead them out of captivity. I want you to wrap your mind around this. I need you to see this. Literally, Lot and his wife are being escorted out of bondage, out of Sodom and Gomorrah by an angelic host. It's a supernatural escort. Could you imagine if we seen an angel appear to us right here? Literally, this angel takes them by the hand and starts marching them out of Sodom. But as Jesus tells us to remember Lot's wife, we know what happens. The Bible literally says that Lot's wife turns and sees, turns and looks toward Sodom. Literally, Lot's wife chose the supernatural over Sodom. She chose to focus on the things of the world as opposed to the things of God. Jesus was literally saying, listen, if you want the things of God to happen in your life, you've got to make a conscious decision that you've got to look forward and never look back. Because when she looked back, the Bible literally says she turned into a pillar of salt. Listen to me today, this morning, in this youth camp, in this second service, you've got to make up in your mind. If there's something in Sodom that you've been looking at, listen to me, you'll get what you look at. If there's something in Sodom that's pulling your eyes towards those things, listen to me, it's just a matter of time before you'll be back in Sodom. You've got to make up in your mind right now that I'm going to set my eyes on the things of God, and I'm going to follow God with everything that I've got, and no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to set my eyes on the things above. I press toward the prize of the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. You've got to make in your mind that there's nothing worth losing my relationship over in Sodom because what I focus on is what I get the reason why camp works and the reason why we come into this house and we feel the power and presence of God is not because of the lights and it's not because of the music and the stage but we've taken some time to focus on God we've set aside some things and we've picked up some new things and now we're focusing. And God is able to speak clearer than he's ever had. God is able to give us our purpose. God is able, he enlightens the eyes of our heart. And now we can see our promise and in our inheritance because we focused on God. Young person, you've got to make up in your mind that come this day forward. Now, look at your neighbor and say, now, now I make a decision to focus on God for the rest of my life. In our text, and I'm coming to a close here shortly if they had come to the music. In our text in Exodus chapter 3, the Bible tells us of Moses wandering in the wilderness. We read it, but let me read it in your hearing again now that we've Went through this message. The Bible says in verse 1, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. In verse 3, I want you to dial into this. I want you to see this in your mind's eye. The Bible says, and Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. What Moses was saying is there was a time in his life where the bush may have been burning. God's power and presence may have been on fire, but I didn't respond to it. I didn't focus on it. I was focused on all of this other stuff. Listen to me. You could have made a million wrong decisions in your life. You could have spent every minute of every moment of your life doing this, but if you make a decision right now to focus on the power and presence of God, I promise you the King of Kings will start talking to you into your life. The Bible says that Moses says, I will now turn aside to see what Moses was telling us is I wasn't always focused on the things of God. Now tells us there was a time where I might have been distracted with other things, but now I will focus on the things of God. The question is not whether or not is God doing miracles around us. The question is are we focused? The question is not, will God speak to me during youth camp 2018? That's not the question. Does God love me enough to show me my calling and my purpose? That's not the question. The question is, is will I now turn aside and see? Now, Brother Smith, will I focus, not focus on Facebook And and I'm not preaching against Facebook. I think it's an awesome tool if used correctly. But not focusing. And I know this is a hard message to hear on day one. But God told me to speak it. And I'm just going to do whatever it is that God has told me to do. Now is the time not to focus on Him. Come on, somebody. Not to focus on her. Not to focus on them not to focus on self-image, not to focus on what do they think and what do they want to, or or, who's the in crowd and who's not, and who's liking my posts and who's sharing my... We don't focus on that. But now, now I make up in my mind because what you see Listen to me, what you see, what you focus on, it's right in front of you. You were looking at the basketball, but the gorilla's in the room. It's right in front of you. Some of you have come to Youth Camp 2018 and you've been desperately seeking from a word or for a word from God. And it's in the house. God wants to speak to you. This is something that God told me in prayer while I was praying for this camp. Listen, God wants to speak directly into your... Some of y'all are coming to services, and I do believe that God is going to use Brother Enzi, and God is going to use myself, and we're going to preach something. But one thing God told me is God wants to speak directly to you. But all you've got to do is focus turn aside and see. This is what verse 4 says as we stand all over this place. The Bible literally says in verse 4 after Moses said I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned?" Verse 4 and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see When God saw that he shifted his focus, when when God saw that that he laid down some things, and he said, now I'm I'm wholeheartedly going to follow after you. When God saw that, that's when God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. What every eye closed into this place here this morning? We're getting ready to open up these altars, and we're gonna do an appeal. But this is this is what I urge you. I feel this in the spirit. I feel like God is getting ready to share some some purpose in this place. You've been going through life, and some of y'all are in your teenage years, or all of y'all are in your teenage years. But some of y'all are getting ready to graduate high school and you're looking for direction and you're needing a word and you're wanting God to speak and this morning the answer is this if you're wanting God to speak your purpose if you're wanting God to show you your power then you got to turn your eyes towards him all over this place I want to invite you in this house. Would you come as a sign of surrender from your will to His? As a sign of declaration all over this house. God, God, I surrender myself to you. God, I've been spending all of my time focusing on other things. God, I've been praying for miracles, God, but, but I've been focusing on everything else, God. God, I've been asking for a word in the wilderness, God. But God, I've been worried about what she says about me. And I've been worried about what he says about me. And I haven't been focusing on the fire. Listen to me. What you see is what you will get. Remember, remember Lot's wife. That's it. That's it. Somebody in this house. wondering if you could throw your hands all over the air and let's just begin to surrender some things i know it's crazy to think that we can't live life without telephones and we can't live life without social media but i'm wondering if there's a student in the house in order to hear what thus say it the lord is i'm wondering if there's a student in this house that's willing to lay down some things so that you can hear what it is that god has God is ready to speak. God is ready to communicate some purpose. God is ready to tell you what it is that you've been put on this earth for. But all you got to do is you got to turn aside and you got to see, you got to see, you got to see. That's it, that's it, that's it. That's it. Now I'm inviting every parent, every pastor, every youth pastor. Would you come and lay hands on these students and let's pray, God, right now, God? as students begin to consecrate, as students begin to lay down their lives right now, God, as there begins a shift in perception, God. God, let the eyes of my understanding be enlightened, God, so that I can see my calling, so that I can see my purpose, so that I can understand my power and my anointing, God. Move in this house, God. That's it, that's it, that's it. It's a call to consecration. It's a call to start laying some things down.